Hey, do you like what we do, but want to hear it in Boston? Well, the fucking Avengers, the thing with fucking Chris Evans, you know he went to school around here and shit, right? He fucking grew up around here. Dude, that fucking house in fucking Knives Out Kid that he was in, that's in fucking Weston, Massachusetts. I drove by it. My uncle, my uncle, okay, he's a fucking contractor, all right? He drives a truck. It's got ladders and shit on it, right? He has fucking pictures of Chris Evans working on that fucking movie and that that asshole Ringing Johnson that made that fucking stupid Star Wars movie I hated so much. That guy right yeah he was fucking there too and oh a fucking james bond kid oh shit i fucking saw james bond and shit i had to send a picture of that to my fucking aunt she was like oh my god bring him over here i'm gonna fuck him so fucking hard and i was like auntie we're on a fucking group chat with ma i don't fucking care ma can come over here and fucking fuck him too for all i care and then we went on and on and on and everybody was fucking and now i know too much about my family kid then you should check out this week's sponsor the Chipman Brothers Tangent, talking about literally anything, be it nerd news or the lasting trauma of Catholic school. Chris and Bob Chipman have you covered. Listen to the Chipman Brothers Tangent on your favorite podcasting site today. Hey guys, uh, Lurkman Org here with a quick disclaimer about this week's episode. Uh, we are talking The Purge, which, believe it or not, is a very political, mot- politically motivated franchise. So that means we're going to lift our restrictions of not talking politics. This, I don't know how political this is going to get, but this is not an apolitical series. If that's not for you, hey, we understand. We'll see you next week. Yeah. So if actually, if you've been listening to us for a long time and you're really curious what our politics are and somehow haven't figured it out from Twitter, then I guess this is the one you want to watch. Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this The Darkest Timeline. I'm Lord Terminator Ulrich and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, man? Horrible. I'm actually yeah. having a really terrible day that involved police. So oh, let's let's not get into that and let's stick with fun stuff. How was your day? The world's on fire and I hate it. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, we got, I think we got a lot to talk about today. So let's not, a pitter patter, let's get at her. Let's get right into our patron sound off. (laughs) Our patron sound off. This is the part of the show where we thank the people that give us money to, you know, ramble about things and get these little escapes. They are Pam Kelly, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brendan Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Donna Lucy, Nathan Willis, Patrick Hazen, Carson Mill, and Scott Rubin. Now, if you'd like to join the illustrious Legion, just head on over to Geeks with Shields forward patreon.com forward slash Geeks with Shields. 25 cents an episode means a dollar a month means we get to keep making this. And today we are blessed by not one, but two guests in our conversation. So feel free to introduce yourselves. Well, hey there. I'm Seth Decker. I'm from Montrester Media. I'm a writer, director, editor, man, you know, all the things that you have to do in an age where everything you produce has to be content or otherwise you will be chastised by the capitalist machine. So that's what I do. And I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. That's a very fitting intro. I don't like (laughs) it. You said political first. All right. That that was you. That's fair. Your your statement's not wrong, though. That's why I don't like it. (laughs) And our other guest? Uh, my name is Bob Chipman. I run uh, Movie Bob Productions. I'm a formerly film critic from The Escapist and Escape to the Movies, uh, currently of the big screen on the Movie Bob YouTube channel. I'm a uh, contributing writer for Film Theory on uh, Theorist Media and uh, several other things that you can find uh, all over from uh, MovieBobCentral.com. We brought a professional on this episode, folks. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> well, I think it's not patronizing at all. We're talking about movies with a person who gets paid to talk about movies, not just people who like to talk about movies. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Considering we're talking about a pretty interesting and weighed set of movies, I, I guess it's good that we have this illustrious grouping here. Anyway, so today, as we said in our intro, but just to reiterate for tradition's sake, we're going to talk about The Purge. We're talking about it as a franchise, franchise perspective. Yep. <laughs> Good, the bad, the franchise, The Purge. I, 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 be... I thought I was here for an actual purge, but this is fine, too. Damn. <laughs> I mean, give me some time to set it up, Bob. I can figure it out. <laughs> I mean, we're all on separate parts of the country, so you can do whatever you want, though. A Boston purge, oh boy, isn't that like every day in Boston? That's a stereotype. That's a regional stereotype. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say that before we did this, I had not seen anything purge related. And over the last. Thanks, Seth. Suggestion. And over the last three days, I watched all five purge movies. I didn't have time to watch the the television show. I was going to do it earlier, but stuff came up and I couldn't get a hold of them until recently. Hmm. So, but I will say that watching all five of those movies in a three day period, I got so fucking sick of the word purge <laughs> it just you know that thing where a word gets said over and over again and just becomes static that happened by like the middle of the second movie so yeah. like i love this franchise but i would not binge them so for anyone who somehow is not aware of what these things are the purge is a horror action franchise based around the idea that in the near future of the United States of America, a political party called the New Founding Fathers of America, which in the beginning is very vague, but as the movies go on, becomes a lot more specific to what they're referencing, uh, has instituted a holiday in sometime in March called The Purge, where for a 12-hour period, all crime becomes legal. All of it, including murder. And there's only a few restrictions. Some government officials are immune. Some weapons are restricted. But that's this premise. That's that's literally it. And then the movies do some interesting things with it. Not the first one, but <laughs> well, let's let's kind of. I just want to get everyone's like general vibe for this franchise. Axel, you've seen them all. Let's start with uh, you. And since you're the newest, what's your thoughts? My general thought is this is a. I felt very mixed about it. I think literally after I finished it, I, I, I texted my friend Wretched and I said, all right, I've watched all five of these things now. Two of them were pretty good. Two of them were okay. And one of them was bad. But yeah, there's a lot of parts of all of them that are good. This is, mm. this is an extremely, I think, mixed kind of bag. And that there's the thing that happens in all the movies where there'll be a really cool scene and then someone will say a really poorly delivered line of dialogue that just kills it for me, which makes me really grumpy. So... But I I love how heavy handed and unsubtle it becomes. Like don't get me wrong, I I like I like subtle storytelling as much as the next you know yep. person. But sometimes I feel like having something be as blunt as a warhammer uh, is is the right way to go. And the purge by the third movie, the second movie was getting there, but by the third movie, basically throws away all pretense. And and is like, here's exactly what we're talking about. We're going to hit you with it as hard as possible. And I kind of respect that, even though I understand that the reason why these movies get made at all is because they have a budget less than 10 million and they tend to make like 70 million dollars. So anyway, so cheap. I knew they were, you know, shoestring, but goddamn. Yeah, that's really the whole reason they keep they keep getting made why they franchise this way. It's probably a good thing they do because again the the fourth one is probably my favorite one, which is odd because that's the prequel. But we'll talk about that in a bit. So my my 
my overall thoughts are I think that it is I, I like that we have a franchise like this. I like that it's a super high body count, super high political satire, uh, excuse for some actors to um, train, I guess. And <laughs> uh, and I the parts that I enjoy, I enjoy. And the parts that I don't enjoy tend to be over pretty quick because these things tend to move at a pretty good pace. So while it's not something I think I'm going to go back to, I, you know, I'm fine with having watched them. That's my overall thoughts. OK, uh, Seth, you want to go ahead and take it next? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I really, really, really like the entire series. Um, I think you know we're going to land on definitely some of them are stronger than others, but I I really like how consistent everything is and the logic within tends to hold up uh, even across like this. I, I I think it's like a thirty. 35 year period that I think all of these take place over. And I, I just, I really appreciate the consistency and more than anything, I feel like we're lacking these like weekend warrior dad movies <laughs> that have a little extra to say, like it, it's not silly for silliness sake. You know, this isn't like violence for violence sake. There's something to be said here, but at the end of the day, these are like very much, you know, order a pizza, grab some beers, turn on the TV and watch some cool action beats happen. And and if that's all they're going for, I respect it. But so, the fact they baked in a little bit extra, mm, that's that's a good flavor for me. I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. Uh, Bob? You know, this, this, this franchise is fascinating to me mm-hmm. because I hated the first movie. <laughs> I, I genuinely hated yep. the first part. <laughs> Not not the movie The First Purge, the first movie called The Purge with Ethan Hawke. Which, yep. by the way, Ethan Hawke, one of our best actors. Yes. Yeah. Great, great, great guy. Love that he does stuff like this and goes off and, and does Richard Linklater movies. And otherwise, you generally don't hear from him, which is odd. because You'd think he'd be in demand. Maybe he is and he just says no. Maybe he figures I've got enough money. I've actually heard that, Bob. I've heard that Hawk is very picky about the projects that he chooses. Which is fascinating to me because usually when you hear someone is picky about their projects, it's like Daniel Day-Lewis, who's picky but only makes like the the top tier or what seems like would be the top tier stuff. Like he only works once every like six years, but it's always in Paul Thomas Anderson movies or (laughs) Michael Mann movies or some (laughs) such. And it's a project that you know is going to be good. Like, okay, Dave, you got to come back. You got to stop being a shoe cobbler in Ireland for a little while and <laughs> make a movie. And it's something like Phantom Thread where you know it's going to be like a generational great role exactly <laughs> for him. Okay, great. Whereas Ethan Hawke will work like maybe once every two years. And sometimes it's one of the uh, Before Sunrise movies. And other times he's in Sinister or The Purge. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's Hey, cool. I like Sinister. Yeah. No, I like Sinister too. Sinister is a very good movie. Sinister is is on balance like up there. Like Sinister or Doctor Strange, the first one, are like you know tied for Scott Derrickson's best movie. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm and, looking forward to the Black Phone for a reason. Oh, the Black Phone oh, is sick. Uh, that was like that has the stupidest name. And then I watched it and I'm like, I need this now. Anyway, not, <laughs> not to cut you off, Bob. Which is that's what I was thinking when you were talking no, about no, Hawks. It's great. It's great. <laughs> No, but it's like whatever drew him to this great and 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 I'm not like he's very good in Purge the first one, but the movie was it and it came out like right at the same time as a ton of other of these like suburban home invasion movies. Strangers. 
Yeah, Strangers yeah. And, and a couple others, which Strangers, like, it's not a bad movie. And I think there was, isn't there one where it might have been Liv Tyler and someone else who were, like, stuck at a truck stop or, like, a motel and people were going to kill them? And it was, like, on video. Been a, yeah, like, there was a, a whole run of these, like, right when people got sick of Saw, there was a whole bunch of, okay, now there's, like, two or three Jasons, but they're just no regular yeah, yeah, no vacancy, right. That and was horrible. Gonna, I hated that one. Such a good, and they're just going to cool kill you in, like, a, a, a small location. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're, some of them are fine. And this one has, like, a, it, a whole very elaborate science fiction setup mm. to justify what ends up just being the... Am I allowed to swear here? Yeah. Oh, you can swear yeah, all totally. you Just being the fucking strangers again. Yeah, and I mean, can just, we all can we all agree that the first purge is one of, if not, is definitely in the top pantheon of wasted potential movies for your setup to execution. Yep. I was excited for it on premise. I'm like, wow, that that feels like real interesting social satire. And then I watched it and I went, what the hell was that? <laughs> anyway, but first movie, which we'll, we'll go into detail soon, but you know, continue, Bob, with your franchise thoughts. <laughs> and I, and, I, and I won't like blow out the entire you know spiel of this, but like. What amazes me about this is they made it, and it was pretty successful because, you know, I think every one of these home invasion movies, it has a certain amount of, okay, I can relate to that. It's bloody Home Alone. The the, the concept of this is generally scary to everyone, okay? And it made its money. It was uh, it, It's competently made. And what ticked me off about it is that it, it turns kind of cool right at the end, and then it's mm-hmm. over. It's like, yeah, oh, wow, yeah. we're going to finally do something with our premise and, and then they're done. Right. And then they made their money and they did what no one ever does with these movies where they got the same people back and everything else. And by some miracle said, OK, maybe they heard the criticisms. Maybe this was what they wanted to do all along. Maybe they just said, hey, here's an idea. And every single problem that I had with Purge 1 is in per like Purge two is the answer to Purge one. Wouldn't it be more like the my problem with Purge one is it seemed like the more interesting movie was happening somewhere else outside these people's house being alluded to with with the premise of this movie. And, you know, well, the, the United States fell apart there. What would the government be doing? You know, like the kids keep talking about, well, you know, the government is just using this as an excuse to kill all the poor people. Did you know that, <laughs> uh, that, that rich people just, you know, like order poor people to their house to kill them on this? Like they, they keep bringing up all of this stuff that would be a much more interesting movie. And then all of that stuff is the second movie. And <laughs> then right in the middle of it, they throw Joe Grillo in as basically the Punisher yeah, and yep. say, hey, you know what? Would another thing that no one ever does in one of these type of horror movies is, hey, you know what would be fun? We know there's a bunch of Jasons running around in this movie. What if the Punisher's there? Like, yeah. what if someone actually does just bring a gun to a knife fight? What if that happens? Why the hell not? What if you Punisher know, fights Leatherface? <laughs> and and you know, it's really do funny because I I I do like Bernthal's Punisher, but after watching this, I did have the thought of like, oh man, what if Grillo had been cast as Punisher instead of Crossbones? Like he's yeah. What if Crossbones had lasted more than a movie. Or that. <laughs> that's all. That's all I want. I'm still going. You know, you really wasted him. That would have been so cool. China picked up the ball. He's been making uh, he's he's been making money hand over fist playing uh, like action heroes and bad guys in Southeast Asian uh, like red box movies. Wasn't, and, wasn't he in a film this year called uh, I heard good things about it, but didn't see called Cop Shop? 
Yes, he is excellent in that. That's it. a Everyone's terrible title. Yeah, I hadn't I haven't seen it, but I've heard a bunch of good things. And I just heard he was in it, so I want to see it. But I'll watch it. But that was like that's a title I would skip past. Going no, just no. <laughs> it's Lousy. him and uh, Gerard Butler, I believe. Yeah, Gerard oh. Butler and a few other people. Oh, and, uh, A new young actress and uh, director uh, Joe Carnahan, director of Narc and the Gray. Oh, Narc, that's that's a pretty good resume. <laughs> oh, that's gonna be just damn. Okay, I'm in. All right, uh, Ulrich, what about your franchise thoughts? Yeah. Uh. I really, truly enjoy this franchise because I love a good satire. And I'm not saying this is a good satire. I'm just saying it gets prog- the satire gets progressively louder <laughs> until it's not really yeah. satire anymore. Yeah. It's just like, hey, this is a thing that's happening outside. We're going to put it in a movie. And it's also fascinating. This is a franchise that gets progressively better. Oh, yeah. Debatable, but we and will debate that It answers its own criticism. <laughs> uh, one of like, my favorite things was like, okay, so everyone's you know murdering each other. Why is anyone doing weird sex shit? And then you get to the first purge. That's the first thing everyone was doing was, I can't have this. So they even, they listen to that. They write in, you know, like all the little fixes. No, this is just a fun ball. I love this. I love these. I look forward to these. I was, Bob kind of summarized it. I hated the first one because I was like, no, no, show me the more interesting movie happening just over there. Come on. No, I don't care about this home invasion. I want to see what other people are doing. And I haven't seen the Purge TV series. You haven't seen that I need either. to because. Seth, Bob, have you seen the is, TV it's series? Fun. I didn't finish it. But because uh, it was on the, I think it was just on regular USA. And I think mm-hmm. I saw a few. I said, OK, this is promising. And I think the world fell apart in the midst of it. And ah. I didn't get to finish it. But I will. That sounds about right. Seth? Yeah, no. Yeah. So I, I did watch both seasons. Uh, and and it, it's it's a little dick punchy at parts where <laughs> because of the time that it was coming out, and because of the things they were covering, it was, you know, it's kind of like Catholic lashing. It's like, why am I languishing in this guys? I'm. I'm watching it outside my window, but ah, but it is genuinely a, a really that's, good that's show, and 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 it delivers on the premise. Like every episode, you kind of get a different kind of like you know example of fucked up things you can do in the purge. Yeah, I, I read it was a little anthology. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. What the only thing you can do with this concept? Fair enough. So and we've also all kind of Fortnite. Oh jeez. So we've we've all kind of touched on this. I'm so not wrong. <laughs> let's get the first movie out of the way because i think no one really wants to talk about it too much because I, you know, I think bob already said most of the stuff is important but uh yeah, yeah. so the first one which is just a home invasion that wastes a great pr- pr- premise i want to add that something i noticed that these movies do that i think is really interesting because i was expecting you know like a horror franchise and i've been watching a lot of uh james a janice's dead meat series so i was in like a horror mindset and these don't really this franchise in general doesn't feel like a horror franchise to me it feels like how do I put this? Every movie feels like a take on, you know, Die Hard, which I know isn't a, a new take. Every action movie's been a take on Die Hard since Die Hard came out. But I mean, specifically, it just it feels a lot in that same vein of and there's usually one scene in each movie that makes that come to the forefront. Mm-hmm. Like how in the first movie, there's just suddenly this weird scene where Ethan Hawke badassly kills a bunch of guys in his I think Bob referred to as a man cave in, in his review, <laughs> so which was like cool but really out of place by the time they do it in the fourth movie i was way on board but not the point i will say that the first movie while being i um i mean i wasn't paying too much attention to the editing except there was this one part where right when the the guys first start entering the house there's a jump scare in it that i swear lasts like the build-up is like 50 seconds and me and my friend wretched were like is this jump scare ever gonna fucking happen it's taking like eight <laughs> goddamn years so anyway i just want to put that out yeah, there no, those that, are the two first, things that only yeah, those are like the only two things. Like, well, that and Lena Headey smashing that rich, pompous lady's face in the table was super satisfying. Yeah. But 
Yeah. But that's about all the only three things I really cared about. Like, I mean, that kid is possibly one of the dumbest children in a film I've ever seen, and it makes yeah. me angry. No, this movie is built on dumb premises. The kid letting them in the mob deciding to waste all the sort getting in the fact that a guy that sells security doors security doors are shit yeah it is it's, weird that he's bad at that <laughs> yeah. and it's also weird that he it's does that for a living. after another it, it's 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 weird that he does that for a living which means that he'd be selling them to like all of the other rich cynical fucks and he doesn't have hardly any rich cynical fuck stuff like, there should be a million and one overrides and get-arounds, and, like, he should be the first person who knows who has a bunker to go to, who has a loophole to jump through. Like, he should know all of this stuff. He installs the the get-out-of-jail-free stuff for all the other rich guys. And right there, you touched yeah, on something I thought was obvious, which is how come the most popular security system isn't installing a bunker under your, your house? Yeah. Like, that seems like that would be a lot more common. <laughs> what was that Brendan Fraser movie, Blast in the Past? Yes. Yeah. Just sell those. That I would I would buy one of those. I mean, admittedly, I can never look at a bunker the same way again after 10 Glorfield Lane, but that's another <laughs> thing entirely. True. So He was right in the end. I mean, you want to pitch a bunker? I mean, that's fair. Same. So, yeah, anyway, like, that's all I have to say about the first movie is that Lena Headey and Ethan Hawke give good performances, the kids are stupid, and that action scene is good, but out of place and uh just a thing recently i was watching the show we're not here to talk about this but i was watching the show called um the misfit at demon king academy or something like that it's an anime and normally anime with sentence names are stupid which makes me really angry but i watched it because my friends told me to and the whole point of the show is watching arrogant people get put down like but i mean like pompous classist people like the kind of you were born a peasant kind of people so watching them get their comeuppance and I feel like – I think that might be a little bit what Bob was touching on, that at the end, when it starts – when that kind of comes to the forefront, like, oh, your neighbors are here to – the ones you thought were your friends that you helped out are here to you know fuck you over for extremely petty, rich, waspish, white woman reasons. <laughs> and and then, yeah, the movie is just over. But, I, you know, it, it's really weird because one of those things where, like – I think the purchase is a lot of times where the movie is very obviously is condemning the idea of the purge. But at the same time, it's giving you like, now watch these old washwish motherfuckers get killed. So Yeah, I, I wish I, I would have been down with that. To, like, I, I would have been fine with that. I'm perfectly fine with uh, a version of The Purge that's just, hey, you know, let's 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 watch the bad stuff happen to these to these assholes. Yeah. But like it gets there right at the end and it's inconsistent about it. So it's and again, I understand in the first one. The whole satirical side of the purge is only a mechanic to allow the bad guys to get there and explain why they can't call the police, which is always frustrating to me because I hate movies that spend. Well, not I don't hate the movies. I hate the 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 feeling that too many modern movies have that people demand explanations for things that they will not demand if the movie yes. is good enough. Who, who, who was it that said, um, I know it was a famous director. Who was it who said, uh, when asked why people don't call the police in their movies, they're like, cause that'd make up for a boring movie. Hitchcock. Uh, it was yeah. Hitchcock. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm sure a few people have quoted it a few different ways, but the most famous version of it is in the, uh, there's an interview book that's just called Hitchcock, uh, forward slash Truffaut, 
that Twofo, where um, it's just uh, Francois Twofo just interviewing Alfred Hitchcock step by step about every one of his movies up to that point, which was v- pretty late in his career. So it's pretty much all of the ones you'd give a shit about. And <laughs> at one point they go through the, you know, why do you not do this thing? And it's just a, like an exasperate, like in the text, exasperated side. Well, they don't go to the police because there would be no film. <laughs> yeah, there you no, go. This movie commits the ultimate sin in that it's okay if you want to set these things up, but when you stack them, it then becomes obvious that you're stacking them. Well, also, like, I've oh, been no, saying, I don't remember where I got this. I think I was reading like a, an Arthur C. Clarke or a, an, an Asimov thing that talked about a, a lot of great sci-fi, most great sci-fi is you create one idea, one usually technological idea, and then build a world around it. Again, I don't remember where I heard that, but it's been stuck in my head for years. And so it's funny because I feel like a lot of the the greatest, or at least the most interesting thing, you know, sci-fi movies do this kind of thing, or even shows like Tre- Trek itself is basically, all right, we have fashion light travel. What is the show then? Or something like an easy example would be Minority Report, which is probably the most pure example of what I'm talking about. All right, we've got right. precog stuff. Build a world around that. And so now we've got this situation where there is this conceit. It's not a tech conceit, but it is a societal conceit of this holiday. And now the idea would be, OK, build a world around it. But the first movie absolutely refuses to build a world around it. <laughs> well, because it's working backwards. Right. It, 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 and and I can and I give him credit. The uh, the I mean the Purge movies are similar to the Child's Play movies in that it's one director who had what they realized was a good hook and has been shepherding the entire franchise right through. So like I want to be clear in case this you know is heard or listened to or whatnot. Good job because whatever I think of the first movie, they've built a, an entire franchise and have done really kind of everything I think you could do with it. Like every time yeah. I think, no, you can't do anything else with the purge. I'm like, okay, wow, yeah, no, you did, uh, okay, you did the urban one. Okay, now you've done it back and did the origin. And I cared about the origin, and you made it even more political and social justicey than you social justicey. Jesus, listen to me, I sound like my <laughs> uncle. But you know what I mean? It's okay. <laughs> yeah, you go, you go, but then you go and do okay. Now we're gonna do the next one, and this one's specifically about immigration, and we're gonna like it, they've really mined this for everything they could but the first one really does feel like they got to the explanation and worked backwards into it and you know sometimes that happens but i mean it's i can't fault them for building out of it and sometimes that happens i mean jason didn't show up until the second movie and he's not jason until the third one right you can argue he's not jason really until jason lives even right yeah (laughs) Jason's really he's good oh, in one of the projects. Well, hold on, because <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I think Ulrich, I, and Bob have said our piece about the first one. But Seth, I don't, I don't think I heard you say too much about the first one yet. Um, I, I would just echo all of you guys if I were to break into a review. I'll uh, fancy with an anecdote instead. Um, the uh, impetus for Film Rescue was built around this show. This was the first film I went to theaters, and I was like, man, I feel like I can imagine another movie out of this movie wouldn't that be fun and and hence the podcast was huh. that's awesome yeah all right well then we can kind of I, I mean i don't mean we have, we don't have to go necessarily in exact order but we can move on to the second one which is easily like i don't know in my opinion it's the second and the fourth one that are the really good ones and partly the reason why the second one's so good is frank grillo himself doing yeah as we said yeah. the punisher thing but also as we have established that it goes to an entire city and we see like the is, did anyone else get a Warriors vibe from it? <laughs> a little bit. No, it's 100% a little bit. It's there. Yeah. Uh, no, 
Uh, the second one is kind of when they, they they start stop being subtle in that we literally have you know a call to revolution going. Yeah. In the back, not even in the background, and it's like pointing out like you know who makes the most money on purge gun manufacturers. Well, plus we have the pseudo twist. I only call it pseudo because I feel like it's pretty obvious what's going on. But the idea at the end that, hey, people aren't killing each other enough and we need to kill the poor. So the government is actively using the purge to murder poor people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that white people buy people to murder. I thought that was a it's that was the third one that did that. Is that the third one or the second one? Yeah, it's the third one, because that's the the pair with Pequeña pa- oh. Muerte. It's her uncle or something. I no, thought. it's in, it's in the it's in the second one, but it's only one person. It's oh yeah, yeah. it's the the so old. It's that's the, what I the thought. Old, the third what, one establishes like the full blown auction. You're right. I'm mixing it up. You're you're correct. Okay. Which no, this is they're still being subtle for the purge franchise. <laughs> in yeah. that you know they're, they're saying things, but they don't have you know cops dressed as Gestapo yet. Uh yeah oh yeah that's right right yet <laughs> yeah and we have I know of course see you subtext and they're all cowards. <laughs> <laughs> And I think the only problem with Anarchy, which is the second one, is that outside of Grillo and the 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 young sister or daughter, or I don't remember the family relation, like those two characters are very compelling. And of course, Omar, Omar coming. <laughs> I don't know the actor's name. Yeah. I just know him from The Wire. Uh, he's <laughs> amazing in every every frame of screen he's on. I think I think the standout sequence for me is probably Frank Grillo hunting the hunters in the the makeshift park or the makeshift yeah. hunting grounds. So, but besides that, all the other characters are not that interesting, which is not a, a huge thing. So I think the purge is not really it, concerned with that, but it, it does kind of these are, these are not character based movies. They are characters are there to act as mouthpieces for whatever the story wants to tell you. Yeah, well, I will say that I did think it's surprising because I say that that I didn't really care about these characters, but I did have like an emotional just just a, a beat when the when the husband died and you know after seeing them kind of reconcile a bit and then so like I felt it you know I felt it a little bit. <laughs> it's uh, Michael K. Williams, by the way, is uh, Omar from uh, The Wire. He passed away um, earlier this year. Yeah. Oh damn. Well, Michael tragic. K. Williams gave us some awesome performances in general. So. Yeah. Dude, his stint on Community. Yeah. Oh my God, I forgot about yeah. that. <laughs> Doesn't have to do anything. It's it's you know Community on like its last gasp, and he's like, no, no, I got this. Mm. I mean, it's funny. There's a thing that a few movies have said us for this. I love when an actor in a performance can deliver a single line or no line at all, and just tell you like so much about something. And the moment when he comes in and the younger girl kind of fangirls at him. And then he just like kind of turns, looks at her, and goes, "It's nice to meet you," or something like that. But that's it. <laughs> and I was just, I was so on board. I was like, "Yeah, I could totally see following this guy into a revolution." But the charisma, but it's a subtle charisma, is palpable. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, it's, and it's, it's very good casting. That's mm-hmm. what the, for for uh, he both he's good at it, and also I, I saw that I saw the Purge do twice in theaters. Not, not, I mean, I enjoyed it. But I saw it twice. I saw it uh, with friends, and I saw it uh, as a uh, preview screening uh, with critics. And I was glad to see it again with friends because I could not believe at the time that it was as good as it was. Like I staggered out of that press screening with several other people in the press at the uh, at the at the critic screening for that, mm-hmm. which was like uh, I think just the day before because I don't think they were planning on people thinking that it was going to be uh, anything you know worthwhile. But they did screen it in the area and kind of said like, oh my god, that was. What the hell? That wasn't supposed to be 
good. And then, you know, went back with friends saying, no, guys, seriously, this is, you, you got to check this out. This is really good. And I remember both times because there was an audience in the, uh, of just a regular audience in the press screening for the, uh, uh, the preview of the, the first time. And both times when it turns out to be him, both up on the view screen and then uh, at the end when he, you know, shows up, you know, IRL around the people, uh, the audience assembled immediately recognized, hey, it's Omar, and went just nuts because everyone Can you recognized blame him? him. Yeah, well, I mean, because they were there and they were on board. It's like, yep, that's who you want to be in that in that sort of role, you know, to get it's like, yep, that's the guy that people would would get behind for that. Totally. So, Seth, what are your oh, – oh, I'm going to give you, I guess, more front stage here with this one since you were last last time. Why don't you start us off with a real anarchy discussion, I guess? Sure. Um, yeah, so the – them deciding to, like – I don't even want to call it, like, fix anything. That, them deciding to, like, go back and go, what cool things did we talk about that, hey, if we had three times the budget, we could show off a little bit more. And I remember that even being palpable in the trailer uh, the first time that one came out. Uh, and I, I remember watching it in the theater going like, I didn't like the last one, but this looks good. And uh, much like Bob, just kind of like walking out of it going like, what did they just get away with here? I don't know if we totally realized what they got away with this. It, it, it's like, it, it's heisty, it's high stakes, it's you know very violent, like R-rated. This kind of stuff doesn't normally sell like this. It, and like a hundred million dollars profit is not, you know, not, it's nothing to sneeze at, but it's not, you know, gigantic compared to PG-13. But I remember just going like, this feels like a real home run. And I really love that they kind of lean into the, what at that time was still satire of this situation. As a, a quick sidebar, since you mentioned the trailer, I just want to say that I haven't trusted trailers ever since Mother whose trailer I hated, but whose movie was my favorite movie the year it came out. So, anyway. Yeah, Aaron Aronofsky's trailers are not normally good, if I recall. Noah's trailers always look like, what is this? But then again, yeah. Noah's kind of like, That was that this? movie. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so with The the Purge, I don't remember any of the trailers. Like, I go see the movies relatively frequently, but I've only started, started going to the movies every weekend in the last couple of years. So I think, uh, yeah, I don't remember seeing... I, all I remember from Purge trailers is always seeing the... The, the masks with the like glow oh, sticks in them. Yeah. So. yeah. I, I remember I, I love the trailers because this was the one that kind of piqued my interest because it was this 4th of July and they did America the Beautiful. It was really, you know, it was very yep. patriotic. I'm like, yep. oh, I know what they're, oh, okay, I know what they're doing. I'm like, is this one going to be good? Yep. And I mean, this is the first one. Like it literally, it calls out the NRA is one of the biggest sponsors of the purge. Yeah. Yeah. And talks about why would a gun manufacturer and gun rights be pro purge? Because they use guns to kill poor people. I'm like, oh, they're saying the quiet part out loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will admit I had one of those moments where like I I, I fight with myself sometimes about what I get, what I call uh, cruel watching behavior. In that like there is something watching people die in movies, especially when it's artistic and it's really cool or really like beautiful, which happens sometimes, is is always got this weird kind of thing where it's like, hey, you're watching something that's actually pretty horrific. Are you losing your humanity in this? And I'm always kind of second guessing myself. So there's this weird moment where like when all the rich people show up and they're doing the auction, I literally was like, I don't care. I want to see all these people brutally <laughs> die. So yeah, and then you get that great, you know, busting scene, revolutionary shoot 'em up. 
I'm like, oh, and this just kicked into a higher gear that I didn't even know it could. Okay. Yeah, it, it doesn't help there the last few years i've become a lot more eat the richie so <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then it's got a fun little twist at the end with you know oh yeah government hit squads well i'm off duty now so uh have a nice day see you next year i i do think that for and me I just one, thought, oh go ahead with the hit squads i just thought that was that was really kind of like that sells the fucked up nature of this universe it's like oh well i'm off the clock so i guess you get to live I'm like oh that's that's kind of disturbing did you know or that it, the but, the apron general guy with the minigun in in the credits he's called Big Daddy. Yep. Hmm. Which is just I don't know, just humorous to me. So yeah, no, and it's just it's this weird juxtaposition of this movie of these stupid masks and this over the top violence, but state sanctioned murder squads that clock off. That's I don't have a word for that one. It feels like Rob Zombie in some way that I don't know how to explain. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody. It, I, it, like, I follow. Yeah, like like it's kind of reveling in it, but it's also kind of it doesn't care what you think at the end of it. It's like no, we're gonna do the fucked up st- stuff, guys. Like stick around and have fun. Yeah. So kind of a uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween two ish, but better. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah, not talk you know, about I, the zombies. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does have that. It, it is. They all do impressively ride the uh, the the line of. You know, hit it, they're still hitting what they have. Like, there's no mistaking what side these movies are on in their in their political leanings. They are right, right the hell up front. These are as 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 leftist as horror movies have been openly in some time. Yeah. In a in a genre that is often quite reactionary, whether by intent or not. This is as as far to the to the American political left as a horror franchise has openly been in in theaters in a long time without outright being full-on parody, but they are also very willing and enjoying having fun with it, saying, yeah, we're we're definitely taking a shot at you. Like, if you are, like, super on the, you know, pro-gun, if you would be someone who'd be down with the purge in real life, we are not your boys in this movie. That having been said, if you want to watch a whole bunch of people just get shot to hell and have a good time with it, yeah, we are going to do that. Yeah. Sidebar, that was another another improvement over the first one, where the, in the first one they were really wishy-washy about the politics, and the second one, no, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, they get much more violent and also much more progressive, which is something that never happens for yeah. myriad understandable reasons in genre cinema. The only other studio that does it is Troma, and Troma is always kind of kidding around about it. Right. Yeah. This is mostly being serious about it. Yeah. I don't know. I really want to see what Boots Riley would do with a Purge movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> hmm. So I like, will say it's not a it's not a real criticism, but one of the only things about Purge Anarchy that didn't work for me is the – for a movie that felt very unique, um, Joe, or the, you know, uh, Frank Grillo's character – his ending motivation and backstory played, I think, too conventional. And maybe that was intentional. Yeah. Maybe in a movie where it's this crazy, grounding him in this very familiar, revengey kind of story, it, it it did feel just very odd and a little too obvious. But again, it's not a real criticism. It's just something that kind of bugs me a little bit for a character. No, I, really I like. get it. I like it because he's like the only person in these movies to have like a legitimate grudge. And not, hey, you cut me off in traffic once, and I've been holding on to this grudge all year. <laughs> I, I just thought it would have been more interesting. There's a if, lot of that stupid petty shit. 
Yeah, I just right. thought maybe it would have been more interesting if his son was killed by the other guy in a purge. But now that that guy is like come back and then they, they would give him this weird like tug of war where he's like, all right, I want to use the purge to kill this guy. But I also hate the purge because the purge killed my son. And but oh, uh, that's that me thinking about a movie that. that I would want and not the movie that's on the screen. So, yeah. OK. Yeah. No, I, I feel you like I, I, it totally makes sense. But also like on the on the other end of it, if you've got, you know. $10 million and the ability to put the Punisher on screen in <laughs> but name alone, why not write to the strengths of the character as he stands? I guess, like, if, if this was a $100 million blockbuster, yeah, you better give me the best fucking version of this. Absolutely. Since this is technically closer to, like, an indie film, I kind of respect him for just, like, laying the dick on the table and being like, no, yeah, it's just, it's the, you know, we just can't say it, but you know. Well, it, it's also, and I don't know if this is what they were going for, because it's not I think in a, in a movie that's otherwise this unsubtle, they'd have someone say it, but it's it sort of, it could be argued that it demonstrates how something like The Purge gets in and doesn't go away right away in that, you know, this is probably someone who would be against this whole sort of thing 99.9% of the time. Yeah. But right, but right at this moment, it is actually quite utilitarian to his purposes. Yeah. Like, he's exactly righteous enough that he would probably be, no, this is terrible. No one should do this. But this year, it's useful to me. Yeah. This this year, I'm going to use it. And and that's how something like that gets to stick around. Well, yeah. Part- I, I just feel like they could have made it a little bit more explicit. But yes, yeah. I agree. Totally, totally. They were still being, quote unquote, subtle at this point. <laughs> Fair enough. But anyway, we've been talking about Anarchy for a while, and we still got three more movies to go. So, anyone got anything else to finish on Anarchy? Nah. All right. Election year, which this is o- the only reason I disagree with the assertion that the movies get better each time is that I don't dislike Election Year. I just felt like it was. I like that it's blunter. Uh, I don't know why I don't like it quite as much as uh, <sighs> Anarchy. I think there are more moments in it that frustrate me. Like I want to get. I will. Wh- I'll say this. I think the Anarchy and Election Year are like neck and neck and okay you haven't really done anything new with the franchise you've gotten less subtle i mean this is a woman's going to run for president and we're going to elect her and she's going to fix shit pre-2016 so those are the things i like about it certainly i i like everything that has to do with with the actual political machinations going on there the whole bring in kind of almost mythological ritual sacrifice as this idea of <laughs> government and religion mixing together, which then brings in like, hey, we're also going to lampoon the, you know, the the religious right using this whole concept that's literally a, a pastor or a priest or something that is running f- for the NFFA. Uh, the stuff that doesn't work, and I just want to get this out of the way quickly, is stuff like there's a moment in – I talked about the what I call the diehard moments, and the diehard yeah. moment in this movie – involves the the one girl pequeña muerte going on a a little rampage where she's got a shotgun and she just like murders a bunch of these teenagers and it's awesome and it's shot really well in this long take and then she ruins it by saying something like pequeña muerte is back bitches or so i don't know it just, it just yeah no that part's like i get what you're going for but it it doesn't this is not the type of not subtle i'm looking for like professional purgers feels out of place and what this movie's trying to say. And almost everything with the candy girl doesn't work. She's just it's just it's, too much. Yeah, no, that's like, okay, listen, next next franchise. Come in the next one. Then, then you'll work. We don't have yeah. any boundaries there. Hmm. Yeah. But anyway, that's my, my light thoughts. So you guys? <laughs> Bob, I'm I, curious your thoughts on this one. You know, I think election year, I... Uh, okay, I, I don't, don't have a lot to say about this one. Yeah, I, I don't know... 
I think that I, I remember thinking at the time that it was, okay, this is good, but it's not as good as I wanted the next one after Anarchy to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I just, I don't know that it will ever get kind of a fair shake because it's impossible to watch any movie that was made in the context of, you know, everyone was really, really sure about where everything was going yep. and then wasn't. Yeah, yeah. And it, that, it, that is true. It feels like it was very much kind of aiming for, hey, guys, this might be the last Purge movie. And then maybe we'll do a uh, and then maybe we'll do a a prequel to uh, talk about the bad old days of how we got here. And boy, was boy, are we glad to be done with that? Oh, God. And, uh, and yeah, then, we talk uh, about the end. <laughs> well, can we take a moment to also be like, okay, it's very obvious. If anyone, for some reason, doesn't get what we're alluding to, because this movie came out, like, in 2016, and it's about an election, an election with a woman and a man, the woman's on the left side, the man's on the right side, it's, it's you know, the 2016 election, which means that our, our movie stand-in equivalent to Trump is the crazy midnight purge mass priest dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's essentially in the movie he doesn't get elected in real life he did and that's just gonna hang over this movie yeah <sighs> yeah but, no this this is oh no go ahead sorry i just want to say what i don't know if this is this was like the gut blow because this movie ends with and then there was a series of uprisings to overturn the election by the new founding fathers i'm like oh that hits very differently now i don't uh, like that now that we've had a right-wing group try to take over dc after a a left win yeah it does like, hit differently <laughs> ew, this is well i was kind of enjoying myself but now i'm just reminded of we're a year on and nothing's changed yeah I, I i feel like they were expecting at the very least if they were going to make more purge movies they would be movies in the context of fighting like pro purge militias because yeah. that because i feel like a lot of people like you know political future watchers and you know various other people who got everything wrong were were expecting an entirely different version of the current civil war right which is you funny because we do eventually get there with the fifth movie which we'll talk about in a moment <laughs> they, they found a way to repurpose it like oh we were wrong well hell what do we do now let's make a movie good idea <laughs> also uh i know in james a Janice's video he pointed out the the tension between grillo's character and the and the candidate. Anyone else feel that? Because I, I definitely felt it through the whole movie. As in romantic? Yeah, I think that was implied. I, I love I the fact that it's heavily implied, but never consummated. I think it's the right decision. So. Yeah. No, I think my favorite line is when, you know, uh, the shopkeeper gets noticed that his purge insurance has gone up the day before the purge. Oh, God, yeah. It's <laughs> like, oh, God damn, this movie's just really... They're not being settled anymore because that's something that does exactly what would happen. And be like, well, what do you want us to do? You know, it's the best country in the world. Actually, now that you say it, do you know what my favorite line in election year is? It's the one that has nothing really to do with America. I mean, it does, but it's the line where um, where the shopkeeper asks Marcos, how did you learn to shoot like that? And he says, uh, I don't know what the location is, but, you know, he's like every day in the city of Mexico was like the purge. Mm-hmm. And it just is that little moment of like, yeah, of get out of your bubble. And yeah, we're telling the satire about, you know, about a fictional alternate universe America. But there are actual real places in the world that basically are this. 
And it's just a little thing, but it stuck with me. Yeah, that's that. I remember that beat, and it's uh, it's something that almost never gets dealt with in every other sort of, uh, and not that it gets dealt with especially well here, sure. but it's uh, it's something that doesn't typically come up in like post-apocalypse horror movies, zombie movies especially, where you'd think this would now be a big thing, but uh, it uh, it's something that doesn't typically come through that you could that there are parts of the world like right now that like the walking dead scenario could happen and it would probably take a long time for that to register as that big of a change yeah (laughs) yeah right and also they'd probably be bet they'd be better suited to dealing with it than the parts of the world where things are like more significantly falling down but you know different show (laughs) yeah But that's exactly my point, is that this is a series that is, for the most part, concerned with uh, American culture satire. And and to have this this one moment of like, hey, Americans are generally, for good and for bad, kind of up their own ass about their country and tend to be somewhat ignorant about other places in the world. And so just having this one moment of like, yeah, there are other other people with other problems. So, oh, anyone else have any thoughts on election year specifically? Yeah. I wish there was more to fill in fill in here but beyond, like, you know, this feels like the Dark Knight Rises after the Dark Knight. It's like, oh, uh, you know. That's okay. a bit much, mostly because I hate the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> yeah, the so. Dark Knight Rises is terrible. Get out of here. What if Batman fought Occupy Wall Street? Actually, can I, can I ask? I know this is uh, – normally I think nitpicky consistency bullshit has no place in real, like – movie critique conversations so normally i don't bring this kind of thing up but it did bother me that election year supposedly takes place what 18 years after anarchy and and frank grillo looks exactly the same it just i get why you want to bring him back because he's awesome and getting to see him have his stab fight with the nazi at the end is awesome but it just it was a weird thing to me did that catch anyone else i've always i i've ignored the timeline of this because like no i don't know this is it's magic. It's, it's, it's made up math. I'm not going to try and keep track. Because, yeah, I think, otherwise you start asking questions like, wait a second. I think us keeping our, like, 60- and 70-year-old actors in action roles is starting to leak in the way that we think about men in general. And we just go, like, oh, yeah, Frank Grillo could be 60 here. Yeah, absolutely. Eh, maybe not, but, you know, it's fine. Like I said, it wasn't an important thing. It was just a thing that really caught me off guard. I was like, you couldn't even, what, just give him some gray hair? Because, as you just pointed out, Seth, we actually have – old action stars all the time it just felt like yeah you could have done it i don't know <laughs> if uh if if mike from breaking bad can be the most badass character in a tv show and he doesn't even break a jog at any point yeah you, you can have old guys as be as your action heroes it works yeah, you're absolutely right although i mean breaking bad basically did it twice with uh, giancarlo esposito so anyway true true <laughs> okay well then uh I only want to kind of move on because I want to move on to at least my favorite of the series, which is The First Purge. Yeah. The no. fourth movie. You mean the one where they just said, fuck it, fuck everything, here you go. We're not even going to hide what we're saying now. So for anyone listening to this who, for some reason, hasn't watched these movies, The First Purge, the fourth movie, is the prequel talking about the initial experiment that basically resulted in the purge where they just do it in staten island and it's like three years after the new founding fathers get elected and the timeline is so that it takes place in like 2016 or something like that and (laughs) yeah yeah anyway (laughs) and off right off the bat and i mean this in the best possible way did because again satire being very blunt did anyone else get a we're talking about the crack epidemic vibe oh yeah yeah oh 
I don't even know if this is satire anymore. Honestly, I think after the original trilogy, the satire aspect is kind of dropped. You mean a movie that has you pussy-grabbing motherfucker in it isn't being satirical? <laughs> well, I thought it was funny because the previous movies, you know, they were sat- they were satirical, but they were... I mean, the election year was kind of talking about a specific thing, but a specific thing that was a potential thing. The fact that the first Purge, while also being generally satirical, felt like it was very specifically, like, recreating a alternate kind of version of the, you know, the government introducing crack into lower income communities. Mm -hmm. Except now it's doing it with a Purge experiment. I was like, that, this feels very intentional to me. Yeah, there, I don't think there's any other way to read that. I mean, it's it's about crack, it's about AIDS, it's about police violence. It's yep. it's deliberately housing. Yeah, it, it's deliberately the 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 first main one of these that doesn't even attempt to have uh like really any significant white main characters as the heroes, other yep. than the one uh, person who's like working for the government that uh, realizes that it's getting used up. Yeah, so, and she gets killed anyway, so... <laughs> yeah, right. So, it, it like, this really, like, jumps it over and says, okay, I guess, like, politically charged... Like, th- this is the first one that comes out after... Um, shit, it, it is late over here. This is the first one that comes out um, after Get Out, right? Yeah. Oh. When, when, when all of Hollywood suddenly, collectively, and every horror fan says, wait a minute, people of color go to see horror films? My God! <laughs> You know, and uh, like this is a revelation for every studio releasing horror films. <laughs> and uh, so now the purge decide, oh, I guess we can now be explicitly about race as well. Well, hey, if and- that's what it took to get that actor who's playing Dimitri in the movie, who owns every scene he's in. <laughs> no, he's great. It's it's like it's the least funny and yet somehow the most like uh, also explicitly satirical one in the franchise, which is bizarre, but also somehow works. You yeah. get whiplash watching this movie. Like the the dude, like the, the dude shows up that looks like Ronald Reagan to be like the uh, like the other final boss at the at the very end. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, right. This is supposed to be funny. I was kind of caught up for a minute. Well, well. Plus, like, there's some stuff the movie does that I feel like in any other movie I would be groaning at, but here I like. There's this idea at the beginning that there's these three guys who are called the you know the the three and they're referenced deliberately to the three wise men which then is a way to imply that hey guess what in this movie our stringer bell drug dealer dude is basically jesus (laughs) and that just feels very subversive in the most delicious way of that makes any sense yeah it comes i love this movie this one's fun oh no go ahead like, it does what election year should have in let's take this even a step further. And, I mean, when they have the scenes of, like, the literal cops and the guys literally dressed as the Gestapo murdering people, I'm like, they are done fucking around. They are like, okay, we, we way underestimated your ability to understand right from wrong in the election last year. So we are going to tell you very clearly these guys that dress like Nazis and talk like Nazis, they're the motherfucking bad guys. Right. Yeah. It, it's, you were too stupid to understand that. So we're going to draw it out for you. No, it's, it's great. And it, uh, it's, it's a crowd pleaser as well. Again, you know, it might've yeah. been more the, um, you know, seeing at the time, but this was another one. They, they did hold a press screening for them. For some reason they didn't press screen election year where I was, or if they did, I, I was not, uh, I didn't uh, get uh, in on that one, but they did pre-screen this one, and this had a a 
full audience for this one. And right around the time, because it, it's a reveal that uh, that the uh, the guy is setting up an army to go back in as soon as this starts. Like, right. they don't tell you right off that it's like, okay, we don't know what he's doing. And then about right into the beginning of the second act, when we rejoin the guy that we thought took off, it's like, oh, no, he's got all his guys together and they're putting together a whole army from it. The theater immediately clicked in on what was actually going on in this movie yeah. and was the the energy in there carried right through to the end. It's like, OK, this is a horror film, but it's also an action movie. And, and this is now sort of a rescue thing. And that and that's what's up. Yeah. And they were right on board. And it was like, OK, this is this is eventually horror movies. If they go to a certain extent, unless you're just doing the same thing again, they turn into action films because you, you can only be scared for so long once you know what mm -hmm. the monster is. Yeah. Like eventually it, like alien is an action movie after one movie. It, it just is. <laughs> yes. Because we've seen the alien. Yeah. It, it's, you know, the only thing to do is to have there be more of them and shoot bigger guns at it. No, I mean, that's that's what I was talking about. That Like, yeah. the Purge never really scared me, but by the time the first Purge comes around, that, that long-take sequence of Dimitri killing the three guards in the stairwell was one of the coolest action beats I've seen in, in some times. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a great... I think that and Assassination Nation came out within a fairly short time of each other and, and were both, this one, obviously a more complete actual film. Uh, Damn it, Bob, you beat me to it. I was going to bring that <laughs> one up later. <laughs> but, you know, of a very... Uh, very strong, angry, semi-independent action films released in, in the wake of uh, 2016 of, uh, you know, filmmakers reacting to stuff. Well, wasn't I, yeah. this the one that had the poster was a red hat said Make America Purge again? No, no it just says pur it just says Purge on it. But oh. yeah, that poster is just a red hat with the Purge uh, on it because yeah. they completely gave up on anything resembling They're, subtlety. And the, the marketing there material was in the corner, uh, civil yeah, rights based, too. Civil rights based? Yeah, the marketing material was all like civil rights based. Oh. Yeah. Also, can I say that one thing that uh, I haven't heard any because I before talking about it, I, you know, I sat with it for a bit, but I watched like some people online talk about it. I read some stuff just so I kind of get my thoughts interview. And one thing I didn't hear anyone talk about the first purge is how visually I feel like we reach a kind of maybe not a peak, but we reach like a culmination of something. Uh, oh, 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 please pick me, Axel, pick me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? I'll say what I'm going to say after you, Seth. Go ahead. Okay, so um, yes, you're correct. Um, and this is shot by uh, Anastas Mikos, and he shot The Empty Man last year. And the way that this guy knows how to shoot the culture of the environment, uh, in, mm. the, in this case, it, he like is ogling like urban... Uh, lighting and architecture and all that, like, he makes this look beautiful. And then he does the same thing for suburban, like, culty shit in The Empty Man. Uh, I'm, I'm really loving his stuff so far. I think he's going to be a, a really standout cinematographer. But anyways, that I wanted to mention that it was in my notes. So I'm but no, that, that makes sense, because what I was going to say is, like, so the first Purge has, in my opinion, no aesthetic uniqueness at all. It's just a house. The only thing that the first Purge does aesthetically is somehow make a single house feel like it's the size of goddamn L.A. I don't know how they did that, but... <laughs> But that's about it. And then and then Anarchy starts playing around with the the lights kind of stuff and and doing like these weird like, you know, neon kind of glow things, but only in a, a few things. It's still mostly a gritty movie. Then Election Year takes it a bit farther. We get things like the neon car and we get the first like, you know, neon lined mask. Red, white and blue, uh, you know, British gang. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's where definitely we're getting Warriors vibes are getting stronger. But by totally. the time. 
by the time the first purse comes around, even the basic conceit of, hey, everyone's wearing these contacts that make them look like goddamn werewolves or something. So yeah. we just have eyes everywhere. And it's just this visual like language of, you know, everyone's watching. And these are the people who are going to be purging because they're putting it on. Or even just how the party is shot, which has this like real good carnival kind of kind of vibe and just looks like yeah, a fun place to be. And fun and doing drugs. Like literally like when you tell people like, hey, we're not going to arrest you for anything. Like, oh, let's throw a party. Not, yeah. hey, let's murder. I love how they get pissed about like, Damn it, they're not doing what I want. Yeah, but I just, I just am amazed that, like, I didn't see anyone talk about it. It just seemed like they had been kind of practicing this in the previous two movies, and they finally were like, okay, now put it all on screen. This is where we're going to have, like, our our crazy light contours and, like, these, you know, these urban settings with, just, like, all sorts of color. Because, let me put it this way, I have seen enough military shooter video games and, and related material to fucking hate grayscale and in like brown scales and stuff there are some things that work but for the most part i like color and the first purge is kind of a gorgeous movie Mm -hmm. which is specifically funny because what they the direction they go with the next one but anyway (laughs) (laughs) anyone want to say anything else about that before we? i have nothing to disagree with about that cinematography it is gorgeous (laughs) yeah all right well then i will say just to keep that train of thought I at first I was unhappy with what they did with the cinematography in the Forever Purge until I realized I I am I'm absolutely certain that this was someone's intentional decision because the Forever yes. Purge is a western. I mean not in the same conventional sense but all the cowboy imagery being set in El Paso, Texas. So the the cinematography has transitioned from the bright lights of essentially rave urban-y kind of culture to this these kind of brown earthy settings but since we have a lot of time in the desert and we've got this kind of native american thing going on and so while i didn't like it at first i do think it's appropriate i think i really like this one and i think like the shift is kind of it it goes with maybe i'm projecting but it feels kind of defeated in the same way that i feel defeated currently Like, like listen everything's fucked well, there, I mean, there, the basic premise—the basic premise—is eight years after election year, the new founding fathers get power again and immediately put the purge back in place. It's, <laughs> it's a bleak fucking premise. Yeah, and I mean, it very feels reactive to listen. People tried to take over the capital. We've got Nazis again. None of it fucking matters. Let's make a western. Yeah, and I—it's probably because I'm generally not into westerns, with exceptions, obviously, but. So that's why I think it, it it didn't hit me the same way the first Purge did. I will say the longer I think about it, the more I, I appreciate aspects of it. Like the, the main two characters, the, the husband-wife duo, are actually very great. I It just isn't odd because the conceit of the, the Forever Purge, the fifth one, is that we've got the Purge back except that there's an underground hate group movement uh, that's basically called Purge Forever After. <laughs> yeah. That, forever after purge. Yeah, the purge ends and they don't stop. In fact, they keep going, but with a very specific direction to eliminate foreigners and immigrants, which is made all the more obvious how stupid these people are by having a Native American take our like Omar kind of role in this movie. And where these people keep talking about like, you know, I'm a full blooded American and the movies the movies being very obvious and like, no, these are the full blooded Americans. You're a dipshit. Oh, well, there's also that great line of, you know, this purge is a sickness that will consume you. Yeah. So I, I again, and then in the end, super it blunt. <laughs> is, and America fell. 
Like this one is, it's very, very bleak, but I, I'm in that headspace. It's like, listen, I lived through 2020 and 2021. I'm here. I'm in the fuck everything. It all sucks. What's the point? So, uh, Bob, Seth, what are your let's let's go with let's go with Bob first this time. Uh, what are your thoughts on Forever Purge? You know, I like it. I uh, I do think that uh, I mean I'll give them credit that they are following through. They seem to be following through to their logical conclusion, which is that this is which mo- this is why most horror movie like franchises that have a big idea behind their premise eventually just either repeat themselves or just stop because if you keep going, eventually you can't not end the world. Or, or in the country, at least, because y- this is the kind of genie that you you could not put back in the bottle. It's sort of like how uh, they took the, uh, so I mentioned Minority Report earlier, um, the end of that movie originally was supposed to have, like, a final coda on it that, uh, like, said, you know, oh, they they shut this down, and this is how many murders there were afterwards. Yeah. And, and they left it off because they figured people would be really, like, they wouldn't think it was a happy ending anymore. And as like, well, no, it's it's a it's a complicated ending. But like the fact of the matter is they would never shut down pre-crime. Like they, they would say, no, we'll get it right next time. We'll we'll get more bald kids. <laughs> there, there, there will be there will be much but we'll we'll have someone checking their work. And and that would be the thing because once as soon as they solved one crime with it and then didn't solve another one, they'd turn it right back on again. You can never put a thing back in the bottle. That's yeah. why that's a metaphor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you can't put something back in. That's anyway. The so I'll give them credit that they seem to be following through. That the only way the Purge movies end is to just eventually become Mad Max movies. <laughs> yeah. And, and oh I, boy, I think, please do that next. Yeah, and I think that this is a, a good enough way on on their way through. I think making it about immigration is smart. Was a way in. I think that the best way to go through with it, especially given that. What made the first one in part so insufferable was the people I care the least about in the in this situation are people who remind me of myself. Yeah. Like I, I like I, I already know, you know, what would happen to a suburban white guy during the purge. I'd be fine. So <laughs> yeah, I would be okay. I have a I have a moderately fortified house and a gun. I'd be okay. You know, sh- show me what happens to people who aren't. And because uh, that's in, that's more interesting, more compelling, more sympathetic. And they've done that successively. So going from different variations of increasingly poor people, brief segue into uh, the hypothetically vulnerable XP of Hillary Clinton in election year, because fine. And uh, now going into, OK, if you thought people in the American inner city were fucked during the purge. Here's what's happening when it goes sort of global and hits the border. Now I'm more interested. And yeah. it's subtle as a jackhammer, but I'm okay with it in this case. It, it's <laughs> it's exactly as in your face and up your nose about it as like the first machete movie. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm okay. But I'm I'm okay with it. I mean, I, I think you're al- you're allowed. I mean, they've got a character who has like a swastika tattooed on his face who can tell what guns are being fired by the sounds that they're making and refers to it as homegrown music from America. I, the movie has something yeah. to say about American gun culture. <laughs> right. It's this is these will be looked at as unusual relics of, of eventually, hopefully. But like right now, it it is what it is. Yeah, right, my set. only thing is I wish they'd leaned a little bit more into the Western motif, because a Purge Western is really cool. 
Well, they do get but there at the there. end. Once they get into the desert, it's pretty straightforward. Oh, that, but... that shootout at the end is amazing. Yeah. All right. Hold on. Seth, thoughts? Yeah. Um, so I, I like this one a lot. Um, I'm, I'm a sucker for messy movies. I really am. Um, you know, I mentioned Dark Knight Rises before. I know it's imperfect, but it's messy. And I love that it's I love it's lumpy and ugly, and but has a lot of cool things in it. And I, that's kind of how I feel about this one. It, it's like, it's not everything I want it to be. It feels like it's got a Jack Russell Terrier that wants to let loose and run straight towards Mad Max, like Bob was saying. But I, I mean, and, the Mad Max vibes at the end were strong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. And and I, and I love that they're willing to indulge in that. And, and that's their willingness to indulge in a, in a genuine way is what buys me in every time. So like, yeah, th- this one's not my favorite, but I'm having a really hard time disliking anything about it. It's just, it, it's, it's like, you know, a fucking ugly little dog. That's just nice to you. And it's like, I, I don't know. I love you, buddy. This is cool. Can, can I say, and maybe one of you can put this into better words than me, but I really like how a lot of the movie is just in Spanish. Yeah. I don't know how to put that into proper terms, but I've talked many times about how, like, mm-hmm. I think Bob said something about how um, you were talking about how, you know, the least interesting people in these movies are the ones you feel like you were like. Well, there's generally a thing like, yeah, I like having characters I can relate to and stuff, but a lot of the times I like my fiction to expose me to things that my normal life doesn't expose me to. And I live in the Northwest, and there is a Basque community here, but there's just something about, like, the main characters – speaking in their native language a lot to each other that felt real and genuine and i it made me like it more and i don't know how to explain that i'm down with that there is a lot of this that feels the most human out of all of it out of all the films so far like there's definitely something heightened about the first three for sure and then absolutely the first purge uh this one i i feel like we we really connect the the specifically the choice of casting josh lucas a like known sweetheart to be a racist motherfucker (laughs) sublime perfect just wow wonderful i do oh go ahead i was just gonna say yeah he brings a humanity to it in a way that's like even when he's explaining his fucked up thought process i believe that he believes it and i believe that he believes he's good and and that's really hard to convey in a way that otherwise i should hate this guy based on my ideologies specifically in the world that generated this movie. One, one thing I'll definitely say, uh, Bob mentioned Get Out earlier, and this one does something that I feel like wasn't invented by Get Out at all, certainly, but was kind of popularized by Get Out, which is take a group of people that you know are going to watch this who have a certain mentality that almost aligns with what you want, but has enough wiggle room that they can justify to themselves and show them how fucked that is. In Get Out, it's essentially, you know, the kind of upper middle class leftist uh white people who you know have that kind of men that mentality of like oh you know we treat you very well anyway not getting to get out but here <laughs> here it's the the main i don't know how to say this properly but the main white character who is portrayed as hey this guy's a little racist but definitely not those guys and hey maybe in another movie that would be part of the message is that you can be like this guy, where you can have your, like, everyone should be separate, but just don't be a dick about it. But this movie's like, nah, nah, fam. That's not how, how we do it. He doesn't get to live until he gets over his shit and speaks in Spanish to them. So, 
<laughs> no, this 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 is the movie being done. It it made it through, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. Like, no, fuck it, done. I don't. We're not here to have fun anymore. This is going to be very blunt. White people just take the back seat. Everyone else, listen, get the fuck out, <laughs> run. <laughs> Whitey's burning the place down. <laughs> Which is also thematically appropriate because it's the first time we've seen not all the way, but what hypothetically in this situation happens when the purge which is for logical reasons depicted as an exclusively american sickness in in the context of of this whole franchise begins to to kind of poke at the borders of somewhere literally at, at the the edges of its own uh, country and that this would be something that is going to cause problems for people that did not ask for this issue you know, to get over there. Right. I mean, the, these right. are not the, these are Mexican or, or people of Mexican origin living in the border states of the United States and Mexico. But the implication here is that when all of this begins to fall down, this is not just going to cease to be our problem. This is something that's going to begin affecting other places. The the bad actors we create spread to other places. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I also. I like the uh, I like the side little thing that there's a big wall, so the wall exists. Except in this movie, the wall's existing to protect Mexico from America. <laughs> right. Yeah. That joke never gets old. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> we we had another movie come out this year that was just also middle fingers to a chunk of their audience. That I uh, I really enjoyed this as a running theme for 2021. Like flick off the audience real quick. It's fun. Which yeah. movie? Matrix Resurrections. I'm speaking oh. his praises. I know yeah. not everybody's loving it, but I'm loving that it just, it feels like it's jumping backwards off a building with both middle fingers in the air. Just, nah, fuck y'all, we're doing what we want. I will keep that in mind whenever I get around to watching it. <laughs> Sometimes you just, you can't be subtle. And no. I mean, I don't know. No, uh, real quick, this movie, like, had what I considered, like, the most disturbing scene in any of these ones, and that's the murder mobile outside the church. Ooh. You guys remember that one at all? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The murder mobile outside the church. Not really. So they're camped out in the church, and they've got snipers on the building, and this van rolls by, and, you know, they're preaching oh, the yes. Purge, yes. And you hear screaming, and a hand slams against the window. And it very much felt like the movie going, I'm going to pause the fun and just remind you of what's at stake. Literally. Yeah. I mean, you have Nazis. From, yeah, sidebar for me, the most disturbing scene in the franchise is probably the one in the first Purge of the Klansmen shooting up the church, but that's me. Yeah, uh, so. yeah. Yeah, that's dark. That, Again, that's, that one I just that, felt like was a right seven. Yeah, no, this movie. I mean, every other once in a while they slip in like a little thing, like just to remind you what's at stake. We're having fun, but just remember. Yeah, I didn't mention the first purge, but that scene also has them holding torches because, again, no subtlety. So, <laughs> uh, the first purge, I mean, that's the one with you know America the Beautiful over the baseball field as a cop beats a man to death. Anyway, so we've we've gone a little bit over what we originally intended. So let's uh, let's do wrap up thoughts on the franchise as a whole, and uh, let's start let's start with Seth. Sure, yeah, um, I'm glad it's here. It's it's weird. It's lumpy. Uh, every single one of them has at least a little bit of fun in it. Um, I'm I, I'm here for it. I, I I wish I wish we could have more consistently or more consistency like this as far as just ramping up uh you know your idea without losing track of it and getting totally lost along the way i i think that's the thing i respect a lot and that's probably due a lot to it you know staying relatively within the same hands as it gets passed along and uh, there's something to learn here i think for for any filmmakers out there to look at it and go like yeah if you go safe on your first one go wild on your next one and if going (laughs) wild works for you keep going all right bob 
Uh, yeah, I agree with uh, that. I think that these are even, you know, I mean, watch the first one to uh, to, to get like acclimated to it. And also it's like 90 minutes. Whatever. What else are you going to do? But, uh, you know, the rest of these, they are really cool. These are going to be touchstones for at this point in time. Like, yeah, this is this is what was up. You know, someone was really trying to do something cool at this point. And, uh, you know, there's this fun thing that people do of like movies that uh, some of that are like unofficially part of a franchise like we want to grandfather this into a franchise like mm-hmm. galaxy quest being unofficially part of star trek mm-hmm. uh in my in my head the purge parody but somehow not a parody episode from rick and morty yes uh, season two episode nine yeah. is is basically as good as the good purge movies it's kind of like landing the same satire but also <laughs> having exactly as much fun with it and just as blunt. <laughs> yeah, well, just as blunt and also the X factor of, hey, what if someone who didn't give a shit about the Purge was just there anyway and also recognized it yeah. and was just there? And uh, I forget. I'm not going to take credit for this because it was someone uh, in, in my family that, that uh, mentioned it. But uh, it almost feels like if they were going to do another continuation of the Purge, really kind of Squid Game scooped them on it. I Yeah. Yeah, yeah they kind of did. Like it feels like if 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 the per like if they did the purge South Korea it would just be Squid Game is my right. thought on that. All right, uh, my my final thoughts are to kind of echo what I said at the beginning. I will say that talking about it with you guys, I've actually I think my appreciation's gone up because when I first started, as I said, I was like, oh, there's two good movies, two okay ones, and one bad one, and now I feel like it's it's more like there are three good ones or like one great one, three pretty good ones, and one mediocre one, and so. This feels like, again, I think calling it a horror franchise is not really accurate. I don't, an action franchise is also is accurate, but there's just a little creep factor to it. So I don't know what to really call this. Genres are dumb for some reasons, <laughs> but I am I am glad something like this exists. As I said, like I think bluntness sometimes is really the right way to go. And if you can be blunt and also have fun, and that's the thing is like. Sidebar, I couldn't find anyone doing a review of the Forever Purge. Like, I tried to find just, you know, some people talk about it, but I, I for some reason, like, no one uh, on the internet wanted to talk about it, at least not any people that I normally follow, which is too bad because I think there's a lot going on there, but... Well, that's us, Axel. We're doing it right now. I, exactly. And we're, we're <laughs> filling that void. So, yeah. and so, uh, yeah, I think I I am actually kind of looking forward to the, the sixth one now. And at the beginning, I said I probably wouldn't watch any of these again, but now that we've talked about it and I've thought about it, I would definitely watch the first Purge and at least Purge Anarchy again for like a good like you know night where I'm just hanging with the, the friends. So yeah, still it's a Fourth of July movie. That's what they build these as. You watch these on the Fourth of July. All right, Ulrich, your thoughts before we wrap? Uh, I enjoy the hell out of these movies. I love that they just get progressively blunter in their message and they just kind of you know stop saying the quiet part and they start screaming it. And I like that it kind of charts the last you know six or seven years in American politics in, you know, we're going to poke fun. We're going to be optimistic. Oh, fuck. We were way too optimistic to <laughs> fuck it. Just it, it's it. This is what's going to happen, guys. Get your asses to Mexico. And I mean, I'm typically I'm not a big fan of heavy handed satire, but I love the genuineness with which this one is being satirical. And it feels that it's being satirical because it feels it has to not because it wants to necessarily. Like, like yeah. listen, you're you're too stupid not you're too stupid to get this on your own. I'm going to hold your hand and explain to you <laughs> Nazis are the bad guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
All right. Well, then uh, we'll call that call that a wrap on the the purge conversation because I'm sure there was more we could say. I skipped over some stuff I had in my my mind notes, but it's fine. And it's at this point we'd like to uh, thank our two guests for coming on and talking with us. And we give them the special uh, box they can stand on to plug their stuff. We're going to start with Seth. Absolutely. Thank you very much again for for having me here, Bob. It was great talking to you as well, as always. All all as well, yeah. Um, You can check me out uh, online at SethXDecker across social media. I'm on the TikTok game now. They they pulled me in, and I'm stuck, and I'm never leaving. I actually kind of like it here. (laughs) Um, you can check out some of the podcasts that I run over on uh, our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Montrester Media. Uh, you can check out everything we do there. We've had Axel, Ulrich, and Bob on uh, many of our episodes in the past. You can go back through and, and check those out. Uh, I think that'll do it for me, and I'll switch it over to Bob. Oh, thank you very much. I also had a great time. It was uh, good talking to everybody. I hope I didn't uh, stutter and forget my place uh, too much. That's why I record so often. Um, (laughs) But uh, editing is your friend. Um, (laughs) But uh, I am uh, at, uh, as I said, I am at uh, moviebobcentral.com is the uh, main website where stuff uh, gets posted. You can find more regular updates following me on social media at uh, at the underscore moviebob on Twitter. Uh, moviebob1 on Patreon uh, is uh, how stuff gets funded for the most part. I'm on YouTube at the uh, Moviebob Productions YouTube channel. Uh, Things get updated as they go, and I'm a contributing writer to film theory, like I said. Uh, Thank you so much for contributing uh, to that. Thank you for uh, listening. Guys, thank you for having me on. That was uh, really fun. I love coming on this kind of stuff, and I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, and thank you both again for for coming on. Definitely. I I had a great time. I'm sure Ulrich did too, despite his tech choppiness. (laughs) I've been dying for an excuse to talk about this franchise for a while. So actually, thanks go to Seth for going, hey, let's get, you know, you guys and Movie Bob in on this one. This one sounds fun. Like, oh, yeah, excuse talk about The Purge? Sure. I I will, the next time we do this, if I haven't seen the franchise, I'll try not to cram it into three days. Yeah. But anyway, uh, since we've gone long with our lovely Purge discussion, we're going to forego suggestions of the week this time. And, uh, Oric, why don't you just take us right into our outro? All right. Well, if you've made it this far, thank you for putting up with all of that. Uh, Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do whatever it is the algorithm is demanding this month, be it blood sacrifice, be it monetary donation, because that's how we uh, hold back the darkness that is the all-consuming whatever the newest – trend is newest celebrity getting into podcasts like comment and purify <laughs> anyway and you can find us on soundcloud stitcher google play podcast spotify iHeartRadio, and the firesidealliance.com you can also rate us on spotify which is news to me i didn't know that ulrich but uh new feature they just added all right so if any of those are frequent uses for you then that's where you can find us but if there's some other place we're not aware of that you frequently use and you would like us to be on there for your convenience tell us what it is and we'll look into it as always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable. <laughs>